The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Baptist Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Uh, before we get in, we're going to jump into Galatians. We're actually going to go through uh, chapters 3 through 5 today. So we've got a lot of scripture we're going to look at. i got to do another commercial, actually two more commercials. One of them is starting in just a couple weeks as we start our fall series, we're, I'm excited. We're going to look at the characteristics of God that are unique to Him. Uh, remember back in uh, the, the uh, garden where the temptation was to Eve? It wasn't, hey, this fruit looks good. Have a It wasn't the fruit that was tempting. She was tempted that when you eat this, you'll be like God. And there are some things that should belong only to God. They do belong only to God, but we kind of want to uh, get in, in on them. But if we could understand and kind of just let God be God, I think this is so crucial. So I'm excited. I think this will be a great series, some things we'll look at in the fall. I also want to do one other quick commercial. The men's study that we're doing this fall is called the Conquer Series, um, and uh, it begins on the 14th of September. We're going to run on Saturday mornings at 7.30. This series, I think, is good enough and important enough that I would love every man in the church to be part of it. If you're like, well, Saturday mornings are not going to work, I want to stress this. This is, uh, this is the, a battle plan for purity. So it is an area where studies show us that uh, most an overwhelming majority of men struggle in this area. And when they, it may, even if they don't, uh, this stuff is so good that it'd be great to have in the hands of every father uh, and anybody who has any a grandfather, anybody who might be able to help somebody who struggles with this. It's just some great tools in the battle plan for purity. I had seen the preview of it and was somewhat excited about it. And this week I got to watch the first half of the episodes and I uh, just thought, man, this is so good. So I really want to stress, if you can be here on Saturday mornings this fall, do so. If you can't, you might want to get a couple guys together and say, hey, wait, let's go through this sometime on our own. I think it's really some information that everybody ought to have. I get their hand on so you could see me more about that. Uh, I'd be willing to meet with some guys on another week, if uh, another day of the week, if something like that worked out, because I really think uh, just some valuable tools in that battle that is so crucial uh, for our, uh, especially our young men to go. I should say with this, that too, I think it is appropriate for older teens to come to this. Probably younger teens, I would say, no, dad, you come and get the, the information, but, um, but just a very, uh, powerful study that I've uh, been excited about as I got a chance to go through. Okay, we're back in Galatians. You ready? All right, we got we a void up here in the, in the front here, so I may have to walk back to the middle and preach, but the sides filled in quite nicely in the back. Uh, that, that's good. But um, last week, if you were uh, here or if you were not, we, got start, we started talking about the, the background of the book of Galatians. Remember the Apostle Paul is on, by the way, the Apostle Paul is a guy when he gets on a mission, you do not want to get in his way. We find this uh, character or this personality of Paul coming through back when he persecuted the church. Now that he is spreading the gospel, we'll see this a few other places. Paul is a guy that, you know, a get her done type of guy, and he's going he's gonna to get it done. And when it comes to preaching the gospel and sharing that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, believe in him, okay? This is not a gospel of works. You cannot be justified by our works. We are justified by, by the grace of God. 
and faith in that grace of God. That we believe that God gave His only Son, and I believe in Him. So, so therefore, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be justified in that way. Paul had been preaching this message, and what happened is some guys from uh, the church had come around, and they said, "Oh, no, wait a minute." Yeah, Paul's got a nice message. Jesus, great. We like that stuff, but you also have to keep the law. And uh, this ticked Paul off. And we'll see this personality coming out here a little bit more. So I wanted to set this up a little bit. We're going to begin to read some verses and uh, look at some things here, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3. The Apostle Paul says, Oh, foolish Galatians. Okay, there's that little personality coming. Come on, come on. Come on, guys. What are you doing here? Uh, Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Okay, he's asking a rhetorical question. He said, did you get this through your own works? No, you didn't. You got it through faith. The the key thing here that we're going to talk about is faith. He goes on and lays that out a little bit more, explaining that Abraham, too, was saved by faith. We go down in verse number 10, and he says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. If you can't keep the whole law, you're in trouble. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. He goes on and explains that a little bit more. But he wants to make it crystal clear. We're not saved. We're not justified. We're not made right with God by works. Okay? Never going to happen. And these other folks are coming around and they're spreading this gospel false gospel and I'm telling it. Now what we're going to explore today as we look a little bit further is why in the world do these foolish Galatians as he called them, why do we gravitate back towards a religion of works? Because we do. Okay? We, we like that. We, we kind of move back in that direction. I'll try to, try to explain that a little bit more in a second. But before we do that, I wanted to say this. The law is not bad. In the tone of the Apostle Paul and the fact that he is so ticked about these guys that are called, that we'll call legalists coming around and saying you got to keep the law, we kind of get this idea that the law is somehow something that is bad. Even in my tone, I'm afraid I'm communicating that, that God's law is bad. The law is perfect. The law is right. But the thing about the law is this. The law is like a CAT scan, okay? It can show you the problem. It can't cure you. Okay, it's the test that you take. It can show you the problem that you have, but it is not going to cure you. And we want to remember that. We also want to remember that the law, let me, let me show you another uh, uh, passage here that, that's important here, still in chapter 3. If we jump down to verse number 15, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Let me explain this to you. This is a deal. This is a covenant that God has made. It's been ratified. It is a done deal. Verse number 16, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and and. 
two offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterwards does not annul the covenant pre previously ratified by God. So what we want to remember is, yes, uh, Paul seems ticked about the law, but, but the law isn't a bad thing. It's just that the law can only show us where we have a problem. It can't do anything about it. And the law would never cancel out the covenant of God. Okay, so God lays that out in there. He says 430 years after the covenant comes the law. He says it didn't cancel it out. The covenant that, that, uh, that God made with us, the covenant that Jesus talked about in his blood, that is the uh, only way to be justified with God. So we want to focus on that. One other thing that I want to try to explain, and I'm going to go into teacher mode here. Stay with me here for a second. We're going to when we're talking about the law, I'm going to preach against something called legalism, okay? I'm going to preach against legalism. I'm going to say this is wrong, this doesn't go according to Scripture. But I want to make sure we understand what I'm saying there. Because legalism is a word that uh, meant one thing, and it's kind of through its use, it has really changed what it means. When I say a legalist, what do you think of? Okay, just think of it. What am I thinking? Do you know any legalists? Okay. Yeah, what we normally think of when I say the word legalist is somebody who lives by a bunch of rules, right? Somebody, or you think of a church that has, a, they have this rule and this rule and this rule and this rule for the members. And we think, you know, that, I want to explain something. That is not really what a legalist is. I know that's how we think. We're kind of funny, and sometimes we have to laugh at ourselves as Christians. But a legalist is anybody who has a rule that I don't like. Or I don't want to live by it. Have you ever noticed that? I remember now over the years, I've heard some pretty wacko sermons. Keep that in mind. Uh, one of them that I heard was there was a guy. I mean, he was having a fit. He was just preaching away in the old southern <gasps> style like that. And he was preaching against ballet and having your kids involved in ballet. Yeah. Didn't offend me a bit. <laughs> I had no interest in ballet. Uh, in fact, I kind of wanted to amen. I thought he was nuts, but I still kind of wanted to amen. I've also heard a sermon where a guy was preaching against watching football on Sunday afternoon. And that guy's a legalist. You know what I'm saying? That, 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 guy, that guy's got a problem. He is way overstepping the boundaries there. That guy can preach about ballet all he wants. doesn't face me. Uh, but you're going to start stepping on you know, my areas where something I like, that's a different story. And that's kind of, we all have somewhere where we think all oh, those people, they're legalists because they have this rule. And that rule is just kind of crazy. Understand again, rules are not bad. Okay, your kids went back to school down in Indiana or they're getting ready to go somewhere. Somebody handed them a handbook, had a bunch of rules. Okay, uh, some of them you might have thought were a little wacko. Uh, some of them you might have seen the, how they made sense. But you got to have some rules. Your family has some rules. A business has some rules. Uh, rules in and of themselves are, not, are, are in no way bad. Now, obviously, they can be. You have probably heard that even in a family, if you have rules without relationship, it produces rebellion. I mean, rules can take too big of a place and they can be kind of nuts so in some ways but just rules are not bad so i'm not talking against having any type of rules especially rules that could help you guide you in your life i'm not talking against that what legalism is this okay don't miss this legalism is earning when i believe that through keeping rules i can earn favor with god okay so i'm trying to earn forgiveness of sin. I'm trying to earn standing with God. A second part of that definition could be insisting that others conform to man-made rules. 
And I would say this, the most deadly form of legalism, as I see it, is when somebody believes that somehow through keeping some rules, going to church, uh, following some sacraments, or doing anything like that, that, that in that way they are going to be justified. You know, that, I can, that I'm going to be right with God because I do this, this, and this. The message of the Apostle Paul is so plain, you cannot be justified by works. Okay, I didn't make that up, okay? If you, if you weren't following along, I was reading it as best I could. I was getting a little jumbled in there. Uh, there's a lot of smudges on my glasses. But, but, it, it's, but that's, that's the message. You cannot be justified by works. We can only be justified through faith in the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the message. So why in the world, what are the lures, what are the temptations that come to this legalist type of thinking? The first one I th that I want to call your attention to, we can be tempted to forget who it is that we are. My uh, wife uh, encouraged me last week to go to a movie last Sunday night. By the way, speaking of rules, we, we used to be part of a thing where you never went to movies. The very first movie we ever saw, asked me what it was, Lion King. Last week, my wife wanted to relive that and go to Lion King. There should be a law against people my age going to any type of animated movie, unless they're accompanied by grandchildren. There, there should be, because she keeps talking me into going to these animated movies, and every time we walk out, why do we do that? <laughs> and I'm sorry, I don't want to, but Lion King did the same. I walked out and thought that was a waste. Okay, fortunately, we went to Wonderland, so we didn't waste that much. But it was still a waste every, every time I go to that. But the, you, some of you remember the old Lion King scene where the Rafiki, the monkey, uh, takes Simba and he slaps him alongside the head and he says, remember, and he has him look in a little puddle uh, and he said, or a lake or something, what he's looking in and he says, remember who you are. Okay, one of the things that we can be tempted to do by legalism is forget who we actually are because the scripture says there was a time when we were a slave, but now we are a child. Chapter four says this so clearly. I mean this, an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different than the slave, though he, is, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his fathers. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoptions as son. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So there was a time when we were in bondage, when we were in slavery, but God did something about it. Verse number four tells us he sent his son into the world. Verse number six tells us he sent his spirit into our hearts. And now, though we were once slaves, now we are his children and that we have been set free. So if I claim that I am incapable, that I am totally... Um, there's no way that I can stop sinning. I'm actually denying the power that is the gospel because he says that now I am his child and now I am set free. And as we just sang right at the close there, free, free, free indeed, that that is now true of me. 
Man, the verses I just read are so, I know they're so deep, and if you're looking, boy, he's kind of skimming over that. I know that I am, but I think it is so important that we get a hold of this idea that I was once a slave, but this is who I am. And I've said this before, for me, one of the best ways that I have learned in dealing with temptation is to stop saying, I need to not do that. I want to, I, I, I can't do that. Bad, bad, bad. I don't want to do that. But to use this phrase, that is not who I am. And to begin to believe that God's Spirit is alive in me. And I want to say this too. This is, the, if you want, this is the beginning of experiencing victory over sin. It is that we come and we understand this. This is the beginning of experiencing this freedom. I am not suggesting that this is a magical statement that once you've said this from now on, you'll never have trouble with temptation. But I am saying this is a crucial element that I realize that I am not a slave. I do not have to be bound by my sin. I am free for I am a child. But the temptation comes. The lure of legalism tells me uh, that, uh, the, you know, that I am still bound. A second thing that I'd like us to think about that could be a, a problem here is that we are, we are tempted. We are lured to want to minimize risk. I mean, the Apostle Paul, several times through Galatia, you might remember last, last week he used the word, in chapter 1, he used the word astonished. He said, I mean, this is a very much a you're killing me smalls type thing. You know, you can't, what are you doing here? Okay, why are you going back into this? Why do you keep uh, gravitating back towards this legalism and thinking somehow you have to earn your favor with, with God? Uh, why are you thinking that you possibly can? I don't understand. What, what in the world, why do you keep getting sucked into that? Well, why is it that we head back there? Maybe it is because in many ways it is safer. Maybe in become, it is easier. If we could explore those ideas for just a second here. Um, I'll have to call Dave Ramsey and ask for forgiveness, but I have in my wallet here a credit card. Uh, and um, we, uh, you'd be very proud of me. I have not paid interest on my credit card for 30 years, except for one time when the, uh, my bill got down between the seats and I didn't pay it in time. But anyway, uh, but other than that, I'm, I'm a good little boy with my credit card. I wanted to mention that, but I do have a credit card, and each month I get a statement. I think for many people... Their relationship with God becomes somewhat like their relationship with a credit card company. Now, let me start off by saying this. How many of you uh, go out to lunch with your credit card company? Enjoy time with them? <laughs> Does any of you send extra money to your credit card company ever? You know, hey, you know what? They've been good to me. <laughs> uh, they let me get all this stuff. I think I'm just, I don't mean the required the stuff called interest. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it. You just feel like, hey, you know what? I just want to get a little, a little extra. We have a relationship that is, in some cases, is I'm going to pay the minimum. Now, that, that's a sad way to operate with a credit card, I realize. But in some cases, you know, it's just, hey, what, I, what do I owe? You know, what is it that I have to do? What is it that I have to pay? For many people, that is where our relationship, end, relationship ends up with the Lord. And, and we actually like that. We like it because then I could say, hey, wait a minute, I'm done. This is paid. It's over. I, I, ha I have this settled, so just give me a list. You know, just, 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 just tell me the things that I, ha that I have to do. Um, I had a friend that uh, he loved his church. We got talking about churches one time. He said, I just love my church. He said, we had a Saturday night mass at 5 o'clock. He said, I can go to that by 6 o'clock Saturday night. I'm done for the weekend. I can go out and do whatever I want then on Saturday night and have all day Sunday, and I'm just free. 
Okay, but it, it, it is just that mindset that says, hey, just tell me something that I got to do, something I can cross off my list, some check that I can that I could put on there. And then I'm done. I've, I've I've paid my dues. You know, some people are like that as far as giving. Well, what's the what's the minimum? You know, what, what do I have to give? You know, what is what is required? And the hymn writer captured it very well, I think, um, in when he when he said uh, we're the whole realm of nature mine. He said, that would be a present far too small. A love so amazing, so divine, de- demands my best, my all. Okay, some of you might, might remember that hymn. But uh, that limited, you know, I limit what I'm going to owe. I can do that with the law. Give me the checklist. Give me the list. I get this done. I get this done. I get this done. I'm a spiritual person. Think about even, you know, with rearing your kids, a lot of times how much easier it is when you can just have the checklist. Then, you know, when they're little and you can just, no, you don't do this. Why? Because I said so. And not only that, I can pick you up and make you not do that and put you in here and strap you in there with a little belt. Uh, that's easy. I hate to tell you this. I hate to tell you guys this. It doesn't get easier uh, because you have to start to give uh, freedoms and you have to start to let them make some of their own choices. And as you do that, it gets a whole lot rougher. It's a lot easier when you just have, hey, this is the list. Follow this list. It's over. And many times we want to... Uh, Put all of our Christianity and all of our relationship to God into a list that is, hey, once I get this done, I'm set. That's good. Now, I thought it was interesting. There was a survey I read this week a taken of a bunch of pastors, and they were asked what element of legalism, or I'm sorry, what area to, do people have a tend to make most legalistic in their life? And that was the thing that they do the most to try to earn God's favor. These pastors were surveyed on this. Overwhelmingly, the thing that won surprised me a lot. But the pastor said the thing that people do the most to try to earn God's favor is a quiet time or have a devotion. Now, that, that, that threw me off because I think, man, that's crucial. I mean, I, I always thought, man, that, that's kind of a cornerstone of following the Lord is trying to have your own time in the Bible and prayer, and that is so important. But they said a lot of people for it, it has become a very legalistic thing. And I, and I wanted to share this story with you. I, this is just a personal story that I think might be helpful for a second. When, uh, when I was in high school, we had, uh, Word of, through Word of Life Bible Clubs, we had these quiet time diaries. You're supposed to fill them out every day, read some scripture, and write some things in them. Uh, when I went to college, I met a friend who had a different one called uh, the Daily Bread. I'm sorry, not Daily Bread, Living the Word. And uh, same thing, you're writing in the Living the Word and writing that down every day. I want to tell you the truth. Throughout college, I'm sorry, throughout high school, throughout college, throughout most of my adult life, my quiet times was an amazing roller coaster. What I mean is I'd have a week or two of, whoo, we are nailing this baby, this is great, uh, like that. And then I'd go in the tank, and uh, I wouldn't stay with it. I mean, I went on this incredible ride as far as you want to say my devotional life. And one of the things that happened is, you know, because I'd been on this roller coaster so long, you know, I'd go, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd think, man, I really, I'd, I'd commit to the Lord. Boy, I'm going to spend some time with you every morning and stuff like that. And then that one morning would come when I'd get up later, I wasn't feeling well or there was just too much to do and I'd skip it. And I'd think, oh, man, I'm a loser. I blew it again. I'm never going to get back to it. And many times I'd go right back in that same cycle of giving up again. Now, I don't know how this will sit, but I want to tell you something that has been a huge help to me. If you were to pick up my devotion book or my journal that I have now, okay, it goes back to uh, January 9th of this year. That's when I started this one. You would find that there are holes. There are some days when I got up a little late 
and I didn't stop and have my devotions. There are some days, uh, I, I've told you this before, Sunday are missing from there. Sunday's a lot. I used to get up and think, well, I've got to have my devotions, I've got to do, do this. And the whole time I'm doing that, my mind's racing on the sermon and this and that. And the ser- I was just going through the motions, you know what I mean? Not like I have to do this. But I used to have, I don't know if I'm making sense, I used to have that approach that, man, I have to do this kind of, you know, if I didn't, God's ticked at me and everything like that. But somehow God changed my, my heart in this to the place where now, okay, I missed yesterday. Oh, I don't really want to do that. And I come back and pick it up. There's not the shame and the guilt. And I have had, uh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to say this bragging. I mean to say this, to say this has been great for me. I hope it, it might help some of you. I've had the best run of fellowship with the Lord, walking with the Lord, keeping a journal over the last five years because I have not been tried to be so rigid about it. If they, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. But, I, you know, that's kind of the thing I came in this morning really wanting to share. Because I would love to stand up and, you know, pass out devotional books and say, hey, let's fill out. And, uh, you know, we'll do stuff like that with the teens and encourage them to fill them out and get them checked and everything like that. Because that is a great spiritual discipline. But if it turns into legalism, if I even have the mindset, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a lousy day today and things are going to go bad because I didn't read my Bible this morning. Okay, you ever feel like, or maybe I missed church that day or anything like that. And we think that we, we, that legalism just creeps back in. That idea that somehow I am earning the favor of God. Is that, does that resonate? I'm I'm having a little, um, sometimes I can't tell if people are tracking with me. I I hope we're we're getting that because the thing is, well, let's get the last point. This will help us get to what the thing is. Uh, we can, when we get caught in legalism, we most definitely can lose our focus. We can lose the idea of what is really important. We can get sucked into our spirituality, our Christian life becoming a lot of a game. I want to read some more from uh, chapter 5 now. It says, in verse number 1 of chapter 5 of Galatians, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Look at this phrase, stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Think about that, you know, even in the commanding tone that it is. Stand firm, guard your freedom. It says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, if you're going back to the law, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to everyone who accepts the circumcision that that he is obligated to keep the whole law, which you can't do. You are severed from Christ. You who have been justified, I'm sorry, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. He uses some strong terminology in there. He, he uses the term severed. Hey, this is something that is severing you from Christ, uh, that you are fallen away. It's, Christ is, is meaningless to you. You're kind of missing it here. And that to me is just a, a point of frustration that I see over and over again uh, when we get caught in legalism. If somebody is, I mean, <laughs> but so many people to me are just, they're, they're it's easier to have a checklist and check it off like that, but as far as having any type of real living relationship with Jesus Christ, it's kind of a missing thing, okay? We're putting in our time, whether it's going to church, and I'm glad you are. Whether it's having devotions, oh, I'm thrilled that you're doing that, you know, like that. But it's kind of like I'm just checking off the list and everything like that. The real relationship uh, with Christ isn't there because somehow in my mind, I, I am forgetting that, uh, that this is, that 
I am righteous and holy only because of Jesus Christ and my faith in him. There is nothing in my activity that is accumulating brownie points. I'm not getting myself better in, in better standing with God through my behavior. And, and when we go back to that, as I've said before, it'll produce a self-righteousness. And more than anything, though, it'll produce a frustration. It'll produce because Paul says, those of you who would do this, in other words, you think you would do this, you're not going to be made right with God in that way. It is not going to work. And we get caught in that, so we lose the focus First of all, the focus on Jesus Christ, we have a tendency that, that he is not really even our focus anymore. Uh, he is not the big part of our life. And then I'm going to say this too, um, we forget about others. We get caught in playing this spiritual game and the things that should be important, that is loving God and loving other people. Look down in verse number 13 of chapter 5. For you have been called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But here's what you're supposed to do. But in love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So I guess what I, wa I want you to do here before, before we close is I want you to think about how you would see somebody who is a godly person. In other words, if I say picture a godly person, what does that look like? Too often, I think that we define godliness, again, by one of these lists. These are the things that a godly person does. These are the things a godly person doesn't do. There we go. This person is godly. I think the scripture overwhelmingly tells us that real godliness is going to produce this. We are going to love Jesus, and we are going to love others. And if it is not showing up in that area of our lives, if we're learning more Bible, if we're going to church more regularly, even if we're reading more Bible on our own and having our devotions or whatever like that, or even serving or giving more money, if we're doing any of those things, but it is not showing up in our love for God and our love for others, something is missing here, okay? Something, something is off. So guard your freedom, guard it. Protect it. Don't let people come and tell you you have to do this, this, and this. Guard it with your heart. But don't use your freedom and say, okay, so this is all about me. But what will happen is when we understand that we're children of God, when we uh, place our faith and belief in the gospel and begin to live that out, then it, it is, is going to result in us growing in our, and, and this is what I want to ask yourself, is this where I am? Am I, am I growing in my trusting of God personally? And am I growing in my service, in my ministry, in my caring for others? Because that's, the, go to the book of James. I mean, what is real faith? Real faith is, is lived out in that, in our, in our love for, for other people, keep ourselves pure and clean in, in Jesus and, and li living it out and care, caring about other people to go with that. I, um, last week, you know, some days you left, you leave after a message, you say, okay, hey. Okay, that was good. That was clear. And then somewhere, I knew the follow-up was going to be tough. I think that the key to what we're doing, everything we want to do here, comes back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to be proclaiming the gospel, letting folks know that God loves them, that he alone is the way back to God. And then we want to be living out that gospel in our lives, knowing that, the, again, I'm not better than anybody else because... Uh, because I'm sinful in need of a Savior. I'm not worse than anybody else because God has given me his righteousness when I came to faith and trusted in him. And that, that's my life, it, uh, you know, and that's what it's about. Saying that 
to me is still, okay, saying this phrase, boy, we need to live the gospel in our everyday lives is still a little abstract to me. That's what I wanted to communicate last week is that we need to live the gospel in our everyday lives. Today, I wanted to try to bring it a little bit in, you know, more into, you know, what, hey, what does this look like? How's that got, and I, and I want to be very honest with you. I struggle with that. I struggle with that. For me, such a big part of it has really been experiencing the forgiveness of Jesus Christ so that I am not walking in shame when I do wrong that drives me away from him. And, you know, and I, I, kinda, I keep coming back to that idea and that, that message is that if somehow uh, I go through my life believing that God is so disappointed with me all the time, uh, then this life is just kind of miserable. I don't know how to say this. You know, it's like I'm never going to measure up. I'm never going to measure up. Well, Paul said that very clearly. He says you're never going to be justified by keeping the law. So give up on that idea. Throw that away. That ain't going to happen. You are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. And what the Son sets free is free indeed. What the Son makes clean is most definitely clean. There can be no argument. There can, uh, there can be no debate about that. Father, I, I don't think I have to tell anybody. Um, I'm coming in the end of the message and feeling like, okay, I don't know, Lord, I, I don't know if I got that across. Probably a really good place for me to be in because I have to stop right now and say, God, would you teach us this in a way that I can't? <laughs> would, would, you do that? Would, 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 you, would you teach us what it really means to walk in the gospel? Would you teach us what, what this freedom is all about and how this plays out in our lives? Lord, I've, I ask for that, that power of your spirit to show up in, in our lives, to interpret the scriptures for us, and to help us to live in a way this week that is not marked by religion, but marked by you and uh, just your impact and how you want to uh, change and mold us into the, this perfect image of your son. Yeah. I give up, Lord. <laughs> I'm laying it down. I got, I got nothing else. But I, I, I claim the power of Jesus Christ that he would take this message and continue to use it in our lives. I pray in your powerful name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, cbcedwardsburg.com. You may also contact the church via email info at cbcedwardsburg.com or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.